What's going on, good people? Welcome to another episode of The Real Deal Podcast, Season 2. Today's episode features my longtime friend, Tessa Gilliam. Uh, Tessa is currently a PhD student at the University of Georgia in their Department of Health Promotion and Behavior. Uh, Today, me and Tessa are going to discuss the field of public health, um, her process in pursuing a PhD, the idea of the master's being the new bachelor's, which girlfriend's character she identifies with the most, what she believes to be the biggest threat to public health in today's society, and more. Uh, I think we got a good episode for you just because me and Tessa have a really strong relationship uh, and we have a history of these debates and stuff like that. Um, she's definitely somebody that I can always call at any given time and we can talk about anything, sports, life, society, um, just whatever. So I love our conversations and I'm glad to be able to, you know, uh, invite y'all into them as well. So y'all sit back, relax. You already know how we coming. This is The Real Deal Podcast Season 2. Let's get it. So I thought I was Tony. I just knew I was oh, Tony. Oh, nah, not at like, all. Because <laughs> I, and it was mostly because I identified with her when I was younger. When I was, um, girlfriends was in 2006 to, what years were girlfriends? 2003 to 2008? I don't know when it started, but when I, when you look on Netflix, it says, um, I think it says that it ended in 07 or something. Okay, so like around that time, I was eight, nine, ten, and seeing a dark-skinned woman on TV, for sure, um, like Tony, like Jill Marie Jones, I wanted to be her, and she always gave us good looks. Like she served us. No, looks. she did. She did. She was so beautiful. She still, she still is so beautiful. Um, I just identified with her. I didn't care about her story. I just identified with her because I didn't see myself on TV. Um, that's important yeah and so now like after my rewatch of girlfriends i don't identify (laughs) with any of them yeah they are they are equally trash in different ways What's going on? You're listening to The Real Deal Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest on. Really excited. We've been trying to get her on the pod for a good minute now, honestly. Um, I have my friend, Tessa Gilliam. Um, I've known Tessa for a long time now, actually. I think I've known her since my senior year of high school, I want to say. So I I brought Tessa on because, you know, she's a part of the crew, a longtime friend, fam, we always have the best debates, very strong-willed, I'm very strong-willed, and um, I just enjoy the fact that we can talk about a wide variety of topics. Uh, we can we can agree, we can disagree, but at the end of the day, we always come to, you know, a positive ending or a discourse, so um, she's one of the people that I can argue with, and then we'd be good afterwards, so I really can appreciate that, because um, it always comes from a genuine place, and we can always uh, truly be ourselves, so... Um, Quick bio on Tessa. Uh, She graduated undergrad from UGA, uh, just like me. Um, She had a Bachelor of Science in Health Promotion. And then she got another degree. um, I think it is a Behavior Master's in Public Health. And uh, she didn't just stop there. Now she's currently getting her PhD in Health Promotion and Behavior. Um, So a little bit about her uh, dissertation research topic. Um, is what about you know how racism and trauma influence HIV risk 
and how community violence exposure can exacerbate the relationship between those two things. Uh, she does sex, violence, and mental health work. Um, and she's also done a little bit of global health work looking at intimate partner violence, maternal health, and war exposure and HIV risk in Liberia. So really, this girl about some kind of genius. Um, you know, she got all the degrees, but I'm going to stop talking about her and let her, you know what I'm saying, introduce herself. So welcome to The Real Deal Pod, Miss Gilliam. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me. This is, uh, that was an awesome intro. For sure, man. We got to get all your accolades off. We got to uh, make sure that, you know, we train you right, letting the people know you're qualified and capable. Um, I kind of wanted to start off just asking you straight up. So um, what is what is public health? Yeah, so um, public health is a field that looks at the health of the population as a whole. So um it's different from medicine because uh, medicine is just individual based. You go in, you see your doctor yourself. Um, and with public health is more population based. Um, so you look at um, just pretty much the population as a whole and how their health and well-being is doing and their quality of, quality of life within different communities. So public health is one big umbrella field and then there are so many areas that's under it. Um, so people work in different areas from epidemiology um, to infectious disease to biostatistics. And then um, my area is health promotion and behavior. So, yeah. OK. And so I wanted to ask you if you could explain the difference between that sub umbrella between health promotion versus public health versus behavior. Like what what are those three things in their own silos? Okay, cool. So like I said before, like public health is that umbrella term, looking at the health of a population in general. Um, and then it has those areas under, um, under it. And then so health promotion and behavior is an area under public health, where we specifically um, promote, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like, we promote uh, health, and we help change behaviors. Okay. So um, that looks like us developing interventions um, within the communities, uh, within the communities, um, just helping people um, be healthier, be their healthier selves, regardless of what is going on in their environment. So an example of uh, health promotion that you may have seen is, let me think of a good one. An example of health promotion and behavior that you have seen is those like click it, buckle up campaign, like billboards that you see, mm -hmm. that would be of like health promotion and behavior. It does have like a lot of marketing um, areas with um, health promotion, but we do a lot of like intervention work where we get people, um, just teach them, give them the tools and the resources and the knowledge um, to just change their perceptions and attitudes and behavior towards specific like health things. Okay. And I can, I can kind of relate to that, just kind of working within advertising and the marketing. Like, I understand what you're saying about trying to, like, basically influence uh, mm -hmm. overall wide population to make a change or action um, in a certain kind of way. So um, with you doing that, what do you like about this field? Like, what, what is it that drew you to it? I mean, obviously, you did undergrad, you then got your master's, now you're doing your PhD. What's motivating you at this point? Like, what why why this field yeah um yeah i've literally been doing public health my whole academic career i 
came into public health, um, I came into college a public health major, but I wanted to go into medicine. I wanted to be a medical doctor. And I think something that was so interesting about public health was that um, it brought a different viewpoint to health. Um, so I felt like it would make me uh, a, a, a diverse candidate when it came to um, applying to medical school in the future. But of course, I didn't make it and all of that stuff um, to medical school because I'm here getting a PhD. But um, I just really, really, really love um, helping people. And I'm working on this thing now where I don't want to use the word help. I want to use the word support because I feel like I feel like help implies that I know more. Mm -hmm. um, than someone else and that may not necessarily be true and that's a problem in public health too like we often go into these communities and we tell people this is what's wrong with you and I'm here to fix it instead of bringing in the community and helping them decide what their needs um, so definitely like being a better support for people um, and just advocating for people's health and their rights is what's really keeping me here um, and I, I want to be an academic, so um, I want to be a professor, and I want to help build that new generation of public health practitioners and researchers, um, and even like medical people who are interested in public health. Like I want to help build that new generation going out into the community, helping them um, do more culturally competent work. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm here to support, be a better support, and I help. Okay, that's lit. That's lit. You definitely seem like you're getting your qualifications in with all, you know, the degrees and everything. So I would ask you, when you yeah. finish, is there a certain route you're looking to take where you're like, okay, that's it. That would be my dream job. That's that's the job that I really want. Yeah, uh, my dream job is to do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Hey, I'm with that. I'm with that. I'm with that. Just to get paid. Um, but what I really... I have like so many passions and stuff like that. Like I have so many things that um, I want to do, but my dream when it comes to public health is to go into academia, okay. become a professor, um, and then continue my research as an interventionist and um, just bring like more trauma informed um, care out to people who are who have like experience experienced the violence um, people who are just in um, situations that they can't control but I also want to bring more public health programs to HBCUs okay. uh, don't have many graduate we don't have any many undergrad programs too like people who go to HBCUs uh don't have the opportunity to get a bachelor's in health promotion um, because they don't have those programs. So I do want to like spearhead some programs at HBCU so people can have the opportunity to get a bachelor's in health promotion, a master's in public health or a PhD in health promotion and behavior. Um, Cause I feel like something that I was robbed of was being able to go to a PhD, even with um, having the opportunities to get these different degrees. Like I, would have dreamed to get a PhD at Howard or something like that, but it's just not there. They don't have public health programs. So that's something that I'm really, really passionate about, just helping people get to um, have access. Okay, because I, I was going to say, it, it sounded like this field is one that is very academia-based. Uh, like It sounds like it's one that requires a high level of knowledge, research, and, and time putting into it. So you know, seeing that you put that time in, you know, you did undergrad, 
Um, you, you went to get your master's. You got the Ph.D. You know, now a lot of people are saying that the master's is the new bachelor. Um, and, and you've taken a step further to get the Ph.D. First, mm-hmm. I kind of want you to comment on the statement of the master's being the new bachelor's. And then I want to kind of get you to talk to me about your process of getting your master's. How has it differed from this process of you attempting to get the Ph.D.? Yeah, I am really, really, really. Uh, it makes my stomach turn when I hear that, like the master's is the new bachelor's. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really playing it to like capitalism. And yeah, it makes us. you feel like we're moving our own goalposts. Yeah, moving our own goalposts because people are just have to, I don't know, pay for their education. And I feel like a lot of stuff that we get in schools, especially us who are in like social science fields and people who aren't in those like science and math heavy fields, like I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the knowledge we, we can get is from actually just working mm, rather that's than facts. in the classroom. So it's, it, uh, it makes my stomach turn to hear that. I personally, I say this all the time, I always tell people that to not get a graduate degree unless they have to. So if you cannot move up in your field with a bachelor's degree, then go ahead and get a master's degree. Um, And those are mainly people who are in the social sciences, um, business. (laughs) Everybody got to get an MBA. Everybody got to get an MBA to to make it in the business field now. Um, But I just think at that point, like you have the knowledge after you already get your bachelor's, you already have the knowledge to do what you need to do to strive in those fields. So it's, it's crazy to hear that. But uh, with my master's, it was only a two year program. Um, I stayed in the same department as health promotion and behavior. um, And pretty, though, pretty much the only difference between my bachelor's and my master's was that it was a deeper dive into like theories and things like that, like into the different subjects of public health. And um, it was on steroids too. Uh, so it was more practical, it was more pa- practice-based. And I think they were, um, the goal was to prepare people to get out in the field and do the work um, with your master's degree. PhD is completely different. It is com- it's a research degree. And a PhD is another degree where I tell people, like, you have to be sure that you want a PhD. Like, getting a PhD just to get it is not, it's not going to set you up for a fun time at okay. all. Um, and the reason why I moved for it and got a PhD is because I want to go into academia and I want to do research. Okay, so it makes um, sense for you. Yeah, yeah. So, PhD is pretty much for that, but you, you can get a PhD, you can go into other things like consulting and all of that good stuff. But, uh, for me, in order for me to get to where I wanted to be, a PhD has to be attached to my name. Okay. And see, that's the thing that I'm always telling people when they're talking about, okay, I want to go get my master's, this and this and that. I say the same thing to everyone. I say it has to make sense. Um, I think it's lit that people are getting masters at high levels. Like, I think that's really, really cool. Um, I think that the fact that our generation of people uh, becoming like the most educated and becoming more educated is lit. And to me, I think that's actually a function of public health is to have a more educated society. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that gets to be a kind of complex statement because everybody doesn't have that same level of access. So that's yeah. a whole different conversation. 
But um, I think it's really cool. And I, I think that the reason that I asked you that was because, you know, one thing about Tessa and myself, um, we're both, you know, uh, big on Twitter. And by big, it's like you'll catch us on Twitter. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So talking about a lot of different topics, uh, Tessa is one of my favorite follows. And I actually consider um, Tessa to be uh, hashtag academic Twitter. Um, so it's kind of funny because she doesn't consider herself that. So I just want to talk to you a little bit about um, what kind of stuff do you like to do in your free time? Mm, in my free time that I wish I had. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I like to do yoga. Okay. Um, it's something that has helped keep me grounded. Um, I can't say that yoga has saved my life and it has saved my mental health. So that is something like I make sure that I um, do daily. Um, so I definitely like to do that. Um, I like to binge watch shows and stuff like that on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and any streaming service you can think of. Um, and I like to run my mouth on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Tess is good for, for a good long FaceTime. For yeah. a good long FaceTime. Like, yeah. that's a good person you can... Uh, I've legit had conversations with Tessa, like, where I'll start getting some wings, I'll go eat the wings, start pouring up a drink, finish the wings, drinking my drink. We still talking, like, so she's definitely good for a, a long a long conversation. Um, so that's always good that you find those ways to relax. How did you stumble upon yoga, though? That was kind of different. Um, yeah. Um... I started doing yoga when I was younger um, because I was like in cheerleading and stuff like that in middle school. And I just wanted to do yoga to increase my flexibility so my toe touches can get higher. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I used to look at the little um, the little, the yoga shows on what it used to be like Fit TV. I don't know what's, what the name used to be like. It used I'm to be like sure. a fitness channel or something like that. But I used to look at the yoga um the yoga shows or something like that on there and do them. And then I fell off for a long, long time. And then I just got back. When did I just get back? I just got back doing yoga maybe two years ago when I started my PhD because I my mental health wasn't looking too good. And I was like, I need to find ways to be better. Um, so I started taking some classes down here in Athens at different studios and then I started doing like some self-practice stuff online um, and on YouTube, watching YouTube yogis. And then one day recently I was meditating and God told me, he was like, this is something that you should teach. and You should spread um, to people who don't have access, who don't know about yoga. Um, he told me like, get more black people on the mat. <laughs> Pretty wow. much. That's, so, that's lit. Yeah, so I started going around looking up um, some yoga teacher trainings and stuff like that, and I found one um, who is, it has been pretty awesome. I'm halfway through right now. Um, So, yeah, um, that's how I got here. Okay. I think that it's important and worth noting, which is is clearly obvious, we're in 2020, um, we're, you know, in the middle of the pandemic. I think that it's very interesting to note that you have kind of like increased your yoga journey during this time. And you said that it helped you to develop um, a new form of, you know, protecting your peace and mental health. I thought that that was pretty cool um, considering, you know what I'm saying, 
everybody's kind of on this wave, like, make sure you're taking care of yourself, like, and it's so crazy that that's stuff that we didn't say to each other, like, before, like, you know, your employers seem to at least care more now, and, you know, everybody's just take a mental health day, so I think that's very interesting to and worthy to note that, like, you developed this um, during this time period. So, uh, what I want to ask you about is what do you think is the biggest public health crisis facing us as a nation? And then I want you to answer what do you think the biggest public health crisis facing us as a people, as black people is? Mm-hmm. So I think my answer to both um, would be the same thing. And I think that is racism, systemic racism. Mm. Um, people are just now which is crazy to me. People in public health are just na- just now naming racism as a crisis, as a public health crisis. Um, and it's really mind-blowing to me because I feel like systemic racism has been the root cause of health disparities for so, so, so long. Um, and it's, um, I think it should be, and you talked about education, and I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, education is a social determinant of health. Like, that determines, like, how we how we live, work, and play. Like, Correct. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a determinant. So racism isn't one that um, isn't a determinant. What's funny is I'm guest lecturing a class tomorrow, and I'm talking about such, uh, social determinants of health and how racism should be added as one. Um, because it plays a factor in in all of our health issues. Every health issue that you see that um, impacts Black Americans disproportionately, um, I could tell you now that the root cause is systemic racism. I feel you on that. Yeah. I, I want to know, what, what do you say to the people who hear this and say, but we're in the middle of a global pandemic and you're going to say that racism is more of a public health crisis than that. What, what do you say to that? Uh, racism plays into the pandemic. So you see, you see these headlines that say that black Americans um, are dying disproportionately from COVID compared to anybody else. Um, it's because of systemic racism. You always have to go back and ask why. And it will literally take you back to systemic racism. Um, the, the medical racism that people experience where they go into the doctor and say, I have these these symptoms. And they say, well, no, I don't think that's COVID. A lot of black women are dying from um, heart disease because they're going to the hospital and they're telling them these are my symptoms. And they're saying, that just sounds like the flu. Take some time and go home when it's actually heart disease. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, systemic racism really plays a role in, like I said, every health disparity. So even with COVID, systemic racism, I tell you, that's the issue. That's the that's the reason why we're here um, and the reason why we see 230,000 deaths. Interesting. All right. So it's the Real Deal podcast, man. Y'all already know how we get down here. Um, I always like to keep things light, creating uh, different segments. So I have a custom segment that I've made here for Tessa where we're going to, you know, talk about a few things to get to know her a little bit more. And hopefully it'll give y'all some more insight into who she is as a person. So Whoa, that, just sound, that sound like you just want to know my business. <laughs> Man, nah, not even, not even, not even. I'm going to pop it off, though. Um, okay. If you could be any Marvel character, who would it be and why? Hmm. 
Mm, any Marvel character. Um, I really, really like Misty Knight. Mm-hmm. I feel like she is super cool. Um, and then plus she has like this super side, this super cool like cyborg. I'm about to say that's uh, Shardy from Luke Cage, right? Yeah, but they didn't really. I don't know if they did her character justice on the show. Um, I have to I, preface by saying Tessa is like a big comic head. That's why I asked her this question. Um, but go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if they did her justice on the show. I, I mean, you know, I got my reservations about the show in general. But um, I really like her as a character in the comics. She's pretty cool. She the police, though. Yeah. So I don't know why... <laughs> if I would want to be her, she um, was hard on Luke Cage. Like she would be beating folks' ass, and she was fine still too. So that yeah. was kind of lit. That was kind of lit. Yeah, her robot, her robotic arm came from um, Iron Man, maybe. Okay, I was about to say why, why, why did they uh, take Luke Cage off of Netflix? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I maybe the ratings, or more, more so, not take it off. But why did they? Uh, I guess not do a third season. I think that I was reading that it was. Um, one of the more expensive shows to shoot. Mm. Um, so, I'm not sure. Um, Alright, seven albums to know you. Ooh, that's a fun question. For sure. Seven albums to know me. Okay. I'm looking at my records right now. I can probably get three from over there. Uh, Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie, Stevie Wonder. Wonder. All in All by Earth, Wind & Fire. Okay, what's on, what's on that one? What's on that one? Fantasy... Um, it might be some songs you don't really know on that one. September, it's a very, very like spiritual album. I feel like. Okay, that's two. Uh, Control by Janet Jackson. Okay, thought you were about to say Scissor, but I got you. Really? I mean, nah, cause you said Control, so I just assumed Scissor. That's yeah. one of my. That's one of my seven albums. Really, I wouldn't put it as my set. I like I only got seven. I gotta be strategic. Uh, Purple Rain by Prince. Okay, I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'm actually not a huge Prince guy. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm not a huge Prince guy. Um, it's nothing against him. Like I actually appreciate him, but uh, I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge on Prince. Is a musical genius. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I respect him. He's just not like my personal favorite. He's not your, your personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge like Stevie Wonder and Prince till the day I die. Yeah, I, I'll tell. I like Stevie. Uh, you know, I'll listen to Stevie's music before I listen to Prince. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But okay, that's how many. That's four. Okay. B Day by Beyonce. A good one. Good one. That's a good Virgo album right there. Um, so I got two more. Yes. Dirty Computer by Janelle Monae. I like Janelle Monae a lot. I like yeah. Janelle Monae a lot. I've never really given her albums much run, but she's a good artist. She, I, I think that's um, because of my Prince fandom. That's why I really, really love her music. And Prince was able to work on her on Dirty Computer before he passed. So okay. um, I really love, like, I'm a funk. I love funk music. Okay. Um, so that's where... And then the last one, Ego Death by the Internet. Wow, that's lit. I love the Internet so much. I fought with the Internet so hard, bruh. Um, Ego Death versus Hive Mind is a great conversation starter for a debate. If you could live in any era, what would it be and why? Mm, I don't know about that one. For real? Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. If I could live in any era, 
as a black person in the United States. Yeah, that's fair. It could get. It could get. It could get. It can go a lot of different ways. Yeah, I would. I'll, I'll take 90s. I feel like okay. that's a basic answer. But I feel like being a teenager in the 90s where the New Jack Swing era was popping. I feel like you'll prosper in the 90s. Yeah, I feel like it would go crazy. What's some of your all-time favorite shows? All-time favorite of all time. Mm-hmm. Let me think. I like The Girlfriends. Honestly, the Disney shows, Proud Family, That's So Raven, stuff that like just resurfaced for us recently. Yeah, I can go for it. That, like stuff that stick, still stick good to me. I would say those shows, um, The Golden Girls. Okay. Think, the Golden Girls. Uh, I like Reba too. Hey man, what you know about Reba, man? Reba. Hey, Reba is underrated on uh, all-time greatest theme songs. For sure. Um, I'll. I'll bust out in the Reba theme song right now, bro. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Reba was cool, man. I used to watch that with my sister and my mom, man. Like, that was a good, that was a good show. Um, all right, last but not least, tell me about what's the worst date you've ever been on? Mm, mm, mm. It's, this is very specific, so if he happens to listen to this. Hey, man, we're not calling no names. I'm not even asking no names. Okay. <laughs> But he knows. I'm sorry to that man. <laughs> I'm sorry to that man, but he knows. This this happened last year anyway. So, um, so I went on this date with this guy, and we went to a festival. Okay. I guess I'm gonna be too specific. What kind of festival it was? Um, we went to a festival, um, and we're standing in line for to get into the festival, and there's this lady. She looks at him and she says, "Hey, handsome," and he says, "Hey." Oh no! Her. I said, "You know her?" And he was like, "Yeah, that's my mom." And <laughs> huh? <laughs> Andrew. He says, "Yeah, that's my mom," and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool. That's your mom." Um. So we. He was like, "Well, shoot, she here. Might as well introduce you to her." So this is my first date with this guy. First okay. day. So I'm already getting introduced to the mom. I got my high cut booty shorts on with my off the shoulder top. Like I'm not even dressed to to meet somebody's mom. Cause you at the festival, you vibed out. Well, I'm trying to, you know, vibing, trying to cool down. I, I don't, my clothes, I don't have enough clothes on. And she has an entourage with her. So he goes over, he says, hey, this is, this is Tessa. And the mom doesn't say anything to me at all. She just stands there with her friends. They're all like, mm, so where he know you from? Blah, blah, blah. Like, are you his friends with benefits? And Chill out. All of that stuff. Like, who are you? And I was just like, I'm just his friend. We've known each other for a little bit. We're, we're here just cooling. Five and hanging out. And his mom, she just doesn't say anything to me at all. So we go into the festival and... Um, we kind of separate from his mom and her friends and stuff like that. Uh, we'll see them around every now and then. And then I look over and his sister pops up too. So at this point, it's a whole family affair on the first date. Why um, he, nah, he could have planned that a little bit better. The first date? Yeah. I just, I wanted, you know, it, and now that I think about it, it wasn't that bad. Um, but Yeah, it could be a lot worse. I've heard worse stories. Yeah, I just wish I would have gotten a 
a heads up, like, hey, my family gonna be here, uh, just to give you a heads up. We might run into my mama, something like that. And but her crazy friends, you know friends what I'm saying? asking if you are his friends with benefits. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> a lot, bro. Well, yeah. at least that's not the worst of the worst that could have happened, but... Um, Okay, so that, that gives the, the viewers a little chance to, you know what I'm saying, get to know you a little bit. It's the Real Deal Podcast. You know how we come in. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so boom. I have a question for you. Um, obviously, you're a black woman. You work in public health. I asked you about what you thought the biggest public health crisis facing, you know, the, the nation was. I asked you what you thought for our people. But specifically for black women, what, what do you think is the biggest public health issue facing you guys right now? Um, our moms are dying disproportionately from childbirth. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So that is something that is preventable. Um, and that is something that is killing us at higher rates four times. So tell me, tell me, tell me. Let me get let me let me back up just to understand. So your answer was, the question is, what was the biggest public health issue facing black women? Mm-hmm. And your answer was basically that, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say we, but that y'all are dying during childbirth? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, four, carry on. Continue. Four times, four times the rate of white women. And I will also tell you that this is an issue also globally. In the UK, um, I believe is four times, and it may be five, five times the rate of white women in the UK. So it's telling you that this is a, a like, systemic racism is a global issue. Um, so, yeah, um, that's my thing. And it's, it's, it's not only impacting us, but it's impacting our babies, too. Our babies have um, um, high, uh, low birth rates when they're born. There's a higher mortality for our babies, um, higher, yeah, infant mortality for our babies, um, so it's an, it's an overall issue. Okay. So I, I, I got to cut in. So, so why is this happening? Are y'all just not being taken care of in the hospitals? Is it? Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so many things. Uh, one is that we are not being taken care of in the hospital. Um, we are not being listened to. This is a story that you hear often. Serena Williams even told her story where she said that something did not feel right. Um, and she told her doctors and they just went ahead and did whatever instead of listening to her. And she had preeclampsia, uh, which is uh, high blood pressure. Mm. A lot of us do have high blood pressure. Preeclampsia is mostly that cause of death for women. During childbirth, that high blood pressure and those blood clots and things like that. And we know what causes high blood pressure, stress. Mm. And remember I told you, always go back and look at the why. Why are we stressed out? Because of all of these things that are going on that are impacting us, um, around you know in every other aspect even accounting for um even accounting for socioeconomic status and education and income mm-hmm. black moms are still dying at higher rates there was just a story that broke out last week a doctor who was pregnant passed away from childbirth wow so my so, thing is, oh let me let you finish okay you can go ahead you can go ahead no i mean i'm just saying so this information exists out there. I'm just now learning about it, really. Now that I think about it, I think my sister did try to um, tell me about it. Shout out to my sister. Um, but I guess my question is, looking at it from the lens of a public health professional, like what could we slash you do to prevent this? Like how how do we 
Like, does there need to be a campaign, like, exposing the fact that black women are dying, giving childbirth? Like, what what ne- what needs to be done? There's so many things, and I'm going to say this uh, for a hundredth time. We got to dismantle systemic racism. We got to dismantle um, sexism and, and, and patriarchy and all of those things that are contributing to this. And, of course, like, I, when I say we... Um, I mean, us as a nation, because I feel like us as black women, we can't alone dismantle systems that we cannot create. Mm. I mean, that we did not create. Mm. Um, That was a a powerful statement. Yeah. But that's just life, though. That's everybody. I mean, that's everybody. Any marginalized group, it's not your fault. Now, see, I do want to hop in because that's very interesting. Um, You know, I added this question. Uh, you know, I shared my outline with Tessa before this episode, and I didn't have this question on there about what is the biggest public health issue facing black women. Um, a lot of times I go through the outline and I'll adjust in the middle of the episode based on what's going on. So I added it in a couple minutes ago, and I really thought that your answer was going to be either the over-sexualization of the black woman's body. Um, that was what I thought you were going to probably say, because that's kind of what came to my mind, or mm-hmm. misogyny and patriarchy. Those those were my top three that I thought you were going to mention yeah. um, as the biggest probably like public health issue. Um, but that's very interesting to me. I, I'm now going to want to do some more research to understand why is it that childbirth is something that's not even seen as a fair, a mm-hmm. fair like outcome or yeah. um, people are scared to have babies. It don't make sense. Yeah. And um I don't know if I, I didn't really answer your question about what can be done. Um, we, there needs to be more knowledge. Like you said, uh, more people need to know about this. There needs to be more tools and resources to help women um, just have safe and comfortable and healthy um, and healthy pregnancies. Um, a reason why I am be, being becoming a yoga teacher is because I want to teach pe- prenatal yoga. So I want to help women um, just take care of themselves uh, mentally and physically while they are pregnant. Um, and there's so many other things too. I like my dissertation not is not maternal um, health, but I do a lot of maternal health work, and I might get pulled back into like the maternal health field because I do a lot, a lot of the work. Like. We just applied for a grant. Let's hope we get it recently. Uh, uh, let's hope we get it. But we just applied for a grant recently, like last week, looking at how uh, two pandemics, uh, we said structural racism and COVID-19, how those um, two pandemics impact somebody's pregnancy, or, or black women's pregnancies. But we really want to see, like, how has it um, impacted pregnant women. So we're going to go out, we're going to do some focus groups, we're going to do some interviews, and we're going to see what pregnant women's experiences were during during these trying times. Um, so it, we're still in that formative work stage. We're still trying to figure out why. And then I talked about medical racism, too. They're not listening to black women. Um, mm. So even the solution is getting more black people into medical school. Now that was what I definitely was going to mention. This, this all hit so much home, like, because literally just last night I watched, um, and this going, I'm, I'm about to spoil girlfriend, something from season, uh, eight. So if you like listening and you're not on season eight of girlfriends, go ahead and like, uh, either pause or 
I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. Last night, I literally just watched the episode from season eight on Girlfriends where Maya lost her baby. Mm-hmm. One of the best things about Girlfriends and why I actually have it as one of my favorite all-time shows is because the topics, that was 07 when it ended. Mm-hmm. Literally, all the topics are still relevant now. Um, and I can see the influences that Insecure has from Girlfriends, that other mm-hmm. shows that we're watching now has from Girlfriends. Um, so first of all, shout out to Mara Brock Akil, um, who's the creator of Girlfriends. But the thing that kind of is sticking with me is that on a lot of these black shows, we often focus on how there is a black woman character who ends up either you know, losing a baby through miscarriage or does not complete pregnancy all the way. What I kind of want to know maybe is, is it also that we don't have the access to the resources and the knowledge where our black women don't know how to successfully make it through a pregnancy? Because, you know, I'm not a woman and, you know, carrying somebody in your body for nine months, like that's a task. Yeah. I just wonder, are, are we effectively educating our women on that? Like, yeah. Are mm-hmm. we doing enough? And I guess it's kind of funny that all, I guess, rolls back into public health and that educational aspect like that we kind of brought up in the beginning of the episode. Like, um, it's just interesting. Um, just something to think about. Something to think about. That does give me a good a good segue to a question I have for you, which was going to be, uh, what girlfriend's character are you most like? Oh, Lord. So I thought I was Tony. I just knew I was oh, Tony. Oh, nah. Not at but- all. Not at <laughs> all. <laughs> I, and it was mostly because I identified with her when I was younger. When I was, um, Girlfriends was in 2006 to, what years were Girlfriends? 2003 to 2008? I don't know when it started, but when I when you look on Netflix, it says, um, I think it says that it ended in 07 or something. Okay, so like around that time I was 8, 9, 10. And seeing a dark-skinned woman on TV. For sure. Um like Tony, like Jill Marie Jones, I wanted to be her. And she always gave us good looks. Like she served us looks. No, she did. She did. She was so beautiful. She still she still is so beautiful. Um I just identified with her. I didn't care about her story. I just identified with her because I didn't see myself on TV. Mm-hmm. Um That's important. Yeah. And so now, like, after my rewatch of Girlfriends, I don't identify <laughs> with any of them. Yeah, they are, they are equally trash in different ways. Yeah, they irked me every every season, every episode. It was somebody. It yeah. was somebody. So I don't really have an answer for that. Um, I do like Maya. Maya did do a lot of social justice work. Um, so if I had to choose, I would choose Maya. I could I could lump you in low key. You could be a mixture of be like a mix between Joan and Lynn, like <laughs> in a weird way though. Like Lynn was hella educated and shit. Like she was, bruh. Lynn was talking about vegan issues like in 07, like in early episodes. I don't think I knew what a vegan was till about probably like five years ago. At at the really probably probably three, bruh. Like I'm gonna be real. Nobody vegan is like. Veganism, I don't even know if that would be what it is. It's just not getting its way. And then Joan, just as, like, her need to, like, be a helper of, like, her friends and stuff like that. So that's where I was going with that. But, um, you know, you're your own woman, obviously. But that, that's who I would kind of lump you as some kind of fusion hybrid between the two. But only the good qualities, man. None of the bad. None of the bad. Yeah, none of the bad. I appreciate it. 
<laughs> I actually do want to say something um important because if y'all are still listening at this point, you definitely rock with me. Um this season, <laughs> this season, I definitely made a concerted effort to want to bring more women on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, just because A, I think that y'all have a lot to say and that there's a definite big movement and swing in society for like women trying to dismantle patriarchy and like uh have agency and have, you know, um kind of like a moment in the sun just to show that like, yo, like we here with y'all, like, you know what I'm saying? Like we just as, you know, powerful, strong, all those things. So I definitely wanted to make a concerted effort with this season to have that. Um, there was a whole nother episode I wanted to do uh, about black uh, hair. And I, I am going to do that probably hopefully for season three. Um, the person who I'm going to ask doesn't know I'm going to ask her yet though. All right. So closing remarks, do you have anything you want to say in part the re- the uh, readers? Do you have anything you want to impart? the people with and part me with just to say, um, you know, this is your time to, I tell people, talk your shit, man. This is, this is that time. Wow. I have nothing to promote. <laughs> oh, that's lame. I have no SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, am just in school being a researcher, um, and making sure that, you know, I'm taking care of myself. I can leave y'all with like, just take your cup. Take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself today and every day. Um, If you're listening to this podcast, you have the tools and the resources to do it. So, and the intent is there. So, just move it on to action. Do what you can to take care of yourself. Um, And we'll see what happens today. I like that, man. Move from intent to action. I like that a lot. Uh, My closing remarks would just be, hey, man, keep that shit rolling. Like, like, uh... (laughs) What's Brett from uh, Snow on the Bluff? <laughs> when uh, he he um, told his cameraman, Curtis Snow, he said, hey, whatever happens, keep that shit rolling. Like, that's that's pretty much my message to everybody else, man. It's like, listen, whatever happens tomorrow, we got to keep it pushing, man. If, if you, you know what I'm saying? Um, especially, you know, and that's everyone, but especially if you're, you know, African-American, if you're black in this country, then you know that we are resilient people. We are strong people. We are people who make a dollar out of 15 cents every time, and we will continue to do that. And I will encourage you to, you know, be be mentally strong and keep your pushing, man. Do not let, you know, social and societal outcomes try to influence your destination and your altitude. So um, with that being said, this is the Real Deal Podcast with Tessa G. Um, I like that. Tessa G. That might be a new uh, nickname, man. Tessa G. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, we kicking it. Uh, I'm, I'm bringing out these topics uh, biweekly or however long it takes me to edit these. Um, you know, keep rocking with your boy and, and, you know, you know how we're going to get down. So I appreciate you coming on Tessa and, you know, as for everybody else, be safe, make sure you take care of yourself and that's it.